is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 35 of Meet the Critters. It's me, Kyle Peralt. And we got Joe Blakesley over there. And we have another Thank guest you. on the show. This is my brother, Josh. So hopefully we got a bunch of viewers today. Get them in the loop of things. Oh, perfect. We got, oh, we got a bunch of people already in. Fantastic. So Josh, yeah, all we appreciate you coming on. What's that? We appreciate you coming on. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, of course. So besides being Joe's brother, who's Josh? Well, I'm I'm 29 years old, so I'm still young, young and lively. So have no complaints <laughs> in that realm. But... That doesn't last. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, basically my career is uh, starting out in, in the culinary world and kind of transitioned myself over to the butcher shop world. Always had to get my hands in on cooking and dealing with ingredients, mostly fresh as much as possible and kind of riding out that storm. Yeah. Now, when you were in culinary school, did you have like any butchering classes in that? Oh, we had a uh, like a meat cutting class that was there, but it was never really in depth into the butcher aspect of it. We never really learned how to break down an animal. We had like one short lesson to where a local butcher shop guy came in and he showed us break it down one time. But other than that, it was always just buying in core cuts and then seeing what we could get out of those core cuts. It was never actually breaking down a whole animal. Right. I think um, the guy that Josh trained with at the actual restaurant, he learned under the head chef that was there in the restaurant he started in. Um, he now teaches at the college that Josh went to. I actually seen him the other day. Nice. And uh, I think he's getting into more of some butchering type stuff. He was telling me with the kids trying to get them, you know, the horizons open for them um, in right. that aspect. Well, well I think because I've had this conversation yeah. before, I think it's hard to like teach that like real butchering at like a college level because it's not that type of environment. Like, I guess like the way colleges are today, like I think you need to learn to cut meat from like a dude that really doesn't want to teach you because yeah. he's already overworked as he is like and you're just in it. Like, I think that's the best way. I'm not saying, and like, again, there, I know people that have taken like meat courses and stuff like that. And it's like, they're doing the same job mm -hmm. I'm doing. But it's like, I feel like the best way is to come up like with the metaphorical sawdust on the floor kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, a, you definitely need more practice with it. You can't just go in, take one class and expect right. to know how to break down a whole animal. You definitely need, several weeks and several months of cutting stuff down to be able to actually know where everything is and getting a speed for it. Yeah. Getting actually comfortable with it. I always joke about that where it's like, I had somebody comment on like a, uh, like a TikTok live one day I was deboning a chuck, like a chuck and I was deboning the neck. They're like, Holy crap. You were fast to that. And I was like, yeah, that's because for, I was really, really bad at chucks. And for eight months, all they did was throw me chucks. And that's, yep. I cut chucks every day for eight months and now I'm good at it. That's how you get good at butchering. Like it's the muscle memory. It's just keeping that ball rolling. Yeah. That's pretty much what they did with me and Josh too. Like they give you one thing, you got pretty decent at it and then they'd start, they'd give you something else to focus on, but then you'd keep doing that other thing and just slowly built up until you learned all the cuts and stuff. And, uh, same thing with Ty and, Ty and Rose. Like, I don't oh, know, yeah. did you do any of that with the culinary stuff? Yeah, yeah, culinary, we definitely did tie up a lot of Rose. And we tied different in culinary than, than what the butcher knot was, right. but it all worked the same. It, it's actually faster. I could actually tie Rose faster now than I was in culinary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and that, I always joke that that's one of the most aggressive butchering muscle memories is tying. Because it's like when you get in the zone, like I remember – back when I was doing retail and it was like Christmas and all you're doing is tying rib roasts, 22 cases of ribeyes. Like and it's by the end of it, you just have calluses on your hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think when they started me tying um, the guy that taught me, he's left-handed. So I, I tie reverse of most other butchers. Right. Like, and that's just the way I was taught. I taught myself how to do the other way. Um, but I always revert back to the original way I was taught. It's just, it's funny because I, 
I think me and you had talked about it before and said a cinch and down on that. I usually I cinch up. Just right. So we have talked about that. And I called you weird. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it gets the same results. It looks good. So um, I'm not going to complain. It's, but, not right. uh, it's not natural. Yeah. I think we it was one whole day. And they're yeah. like, well, you, you learn pretty quick. But I ran out of stuff to tie. So we were cutting uh, slabs of jerky out of uh, bottom and top round. Yeah. So they took, they just gave me some slabs and they're like, just stay there and tie these. That's all you're doing the rest of the afternoon. Just tie, tie it, cut it apart, tie it again, cut it apart until yep. you get better at it. And then, you know, just being repetitive with it, I think is a lot. I think the worst thing I did, like any kind of skill all the way through in the butchering process was skinning pigs. I absolutely hated skinning pigs. I got frustrated every week. And I like dreaded it, but I stayed at the skinning cradle and I just kept at it until finally I got comfortable and, you know, better. And when I started skinning pigs, I was still learning how to properly sharpen a knife. So the two did not go. No, no, no. You need to be either an expert. At, you need to be an expert at one to be an expert at the other. For yeah. sure. Especially yeah. if you hit a tooth first pig in. Yep. Oh, beef. Uh, and I, I was learning how to skin beef heads out too at the same time. So, and we, you know, obviously you do your beef before your pork on a USDA kill floor. So skinning heads is one of the first things you're doing. First thing in the morning, you hit a tooth, you might as well just give up and go resharpen your knife. Cause yeah. you just screwed yourself for the rest of the day. The rest of the day. <laughs> um, so Josh, did you start on slaughter or did you go right into the cut run? No, uh, joking at Colin said that they were looking for a guy to help part-time. So when I was a chef at the restaurant, I would, I would just come the one day a week for slaughter. And I probably did that for six to eight months or so until COVID had hit. And then the restaurant shut down for two weeks. And I went and worked at the butcher shop for two weeks. And by, by the end of those two weeks, and they wanted me to go back to the restaurant, they had offered me full-time at the butcher shop. And I ended up uh, staying at the butcher, butcher shop full-time. It's the best. It just gets its teeth into you. It really does. But it was it was kind of better that way too because the restaurants. I don't even think they opened up after two weeks. I think it was just like one day here and there, and it was really, you know, here in New York they're really strict about stuff with the um, COVID. So it just worked out that way, and you know, it, it got them off of the crazy nights and weekend schedule and all over the place. He was. Uh, head chef at one of our, well, actually what, two, yeah, two, two of our two local of restaurants. And he was a uh, sous chef, sous chef and, and a baking chef at a, wow. another one. Yep. Do so you, do you miss the rush of like prime time at a restaurant though? Oh yeah. That, oh. I had a blast, you know, get my ass kicked for those few hours. It, it was always so much fun. And you could, you could definitely tell like how people react in a situation like that. It, oh like, yeah. You being later and you start breaking down, getting pissed off and, you know, everything falls around you. But if, if you just make it seem like even though you're getting your ass kicked and you're having a, a, a great time, everyone has a great time around you, then it makes the night at the end of it turn out good. Yeah. yeah. Don't let him fool you. He called me when I was I had the robotics <laughs> business. And I was, you know, there was times where I was home for a month, month and a half. <laughs> Hi, Dad and Uncle Josh. <laughs> um, but there was time, like, he called me. And he's like, hey, I think it was Easter, right? Yeah, it was Easter. Yeah, Easter or and he, Mother's Day, one of the two. No, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Easter. And he goes, can you do me a favor and come down here and do dishes? I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. So I went down, and I was in that the pots and pans pit oh. for fucking like nine hours straight, and I never left. Not for I didn't take a piss break. I didn't get a drink, nothing. And I was like, and you can tell when he gets in his high-stress mode because <laughs> I've, I've seen him just start winging shit across the kitchen, and I'd be like, I'm over there chuckling because, you know, I'm used to it. He's my brother. But he, there was a couple times he, I'm over there laughing, and then one of the other dishwashers started saying something to him. He's like, you know, F you guys. And he's like, I'm not cooking you guys food tonight. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I said, he's taking my dinner away. I, I'm telling the other guy, shut up. I was like, don't get my food taken away from me. Right. Yeah, the custom shop, that, or not the custom, the retail shop I worked at, like we had a – kitchen too so we had like normal sandwiches salads hot sa hot food stuff like that but um during the summer just running that running back and forth of that steak tip line just bagging steak tips all day there's like three people deep oh my employees 
hated me. I because I was just running up and down like I was on crack. Like just and it wasn't like a polite like, hi, how can I help you? I was like, all right, who's next? Like yelling, pointing at people, like, what are you getting? But um, I also worked the kitchen too, like one night a week, because why not? Like I needed beer money. And uh that rush of like just being on the line and just tickets are coming, tickets are coming, and you're like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> what is happening? But if by the end of it, you go out and smoke a cigarette and you're like, ah, that was great. That was, I needed that today. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely a night and day difference going from the high stress restaurant to easy going butcher shop. That's for sure. Yeah. Keep training yourself, Logan. When you come back to New York, we'll, uh, we'll talk something out. <laughs> Feel like a big boy. Uh, there is something about like, because I'll have new people come and help or like participate in it in some way or another. And the feeling that like people get, because I remember it, like that's why I'm still in it of like, when you like do something for the first time, when you skin out an animal for the first time or like start breaking down primals, like even at that stage, pulling out of a plastic bag and breaking down primals, it just bites you. And there's something you just get this feeling of like, wow, I like really did something like that's okay. That's a, that's a different feeling. Cause if you look at the way most people get their food now, it's either out of bag or off the shelf or something like that. It's so disconnected. So it's now when those people come back to it, like <laughs> evolutionarily of just like, Oh wow. Like that's a steak that I'd buy off a shelf. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it used that's to be how I was when I first, first started, you know, like I watched a, I watched the bearded butchers. I started teaching myself how to butcher before I got into the butcher shop, but I still don't have a good understanding of a full kill all the way through till the finished product. And when I first started there and I, you know, just learning out, but once I started running saw and stuff and I'm like, okay, I, I killed this animal because I was actually getting into the shooting stage and I was doing everything on the kill floor. And you get to that stage where you're like, I seen this animal walk in and I'm seeing this animal go out to the storefront and this really nice looking steak or, you know, whatever it may be, different cuts, you know, nice, neatly tied roast with the knots all perfect in a line. You, yeah, it, it's an awesome feeling knowing that you put that product out there from start to finish and knowing, you know, that you put your whole effort into it and you, you learn that and everything. So I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So what's your favorite thing to cut right now? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I like I like doing rib, ribeyes. I mean, they're, they're pretty oh, yeah. easy, pretty fun. You, you get some of the best meat out of that section. Oh, yeah. And there's something I always enjoy about just pulling, because I pull everything off the hook. Or Well, now I don't. Now I do everything in six. But, like, when we break in a whole beef off the rail, and you just walk up and you grab that whole rib plate like a suitcase, just like, shink, and you just walk back to your bench like, <laughs> There's something I always found funny about that one. <laughs> yeah, so where Josh currently works and the way I do it right now, because I am I have to do it in halves, obviously, get it in the uh, reefer trailer that I'm using, or quarters. Um, so I was thinking about it today. Like, I mean, some of these beef I'm doing, are they're massive. Yeah. Like 1,000 pound, 900 pound. I just started cutting one up the, today that I did a small one today. And then I started uh, the front quarter of the bigger one. He's just under 900 pounds mm-hmm. and it's not small chunks of meat, especially for Ooh. me. I'm like, I don't have the infrastructure. Like, yeah, I have, I have it easier than you. You're manhandling everything off the kill floor into the cooler, <laughs> or out of the cooler, but I don't have anything close to the sauce. So I'm still in that figuring it out how I'm going to get that whole leg and chuck and arm and neck section up onto the saw to get it broke down. Cause that's how we were taught. Like you break everything down on the saw and set it by hand. So I'm thinking about, I'm going to start doing it by hand when I get my new saw blades mm-hmm. in yeah. um, just to make it easier on me that I'm not trying to lift. Cause those oh, breaking the chuck up, breaking the chuck off the rail is so much easier. Hmm. Cause that's how I learned. I learned yeah. to, yeah, five ribs, up, five ribs up and the top rib about four inches yeah. and then connect it down right at the neck. And you can pop that whole chuck right off, pop the shoulder blade right around, um, right at that joint. 
and all you have all you walk over to the saw the bench with is just the chuck and neck. Yeah. It's so much easier. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're a tiny human. We can't ask I that am. much of you. I'm a small so, guy. Vertically challenged. It's it's a problem. Hey, I'm a <laughs> well, I lost a bunch of weight recently. I'm 162 Jesus. or 63 pounds, and I'm manhandling like quarters off of a 900 pound beef. I'm going to be able to like pick you up when I see you. Like I'm just going to grab you under the armpits and just lift you to my level. Be like, this if, is what if it's I like end up here. coming down to uh, <laughs> Kentucky with you in uh, March. Are you? We'll, uh, we're going to have to have the same. We're going to have to have same shirts and everything. It'll be like yes. uh, mini yes. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be perfect. I oh, dress up as a baby then. Yeah, he's even smaller <laughs> than I am. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm like at 138, 140. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know. Cause I mean, even for, cause I'm six, four, but I'm still only like, I think the last time I weighed myself, I was 198. So I look at myself, I'm like, man, I'm kind of small. Then I'm like, never mind. That's fine. <laughs> the small guys have some advantages too. We could walk through doorways and not smack our head. Yeah. You just do this. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I need to come up with better options for moving beef around. Yeah, because again, I am. I'm just younger. I'm just carrying 175 pound hindquarters from the tractor to the cooler. Yeah, it's always yeah. a good time. Yeah, I was watching. And I'm like, eh. how big are your beef averaging right now? Usually, <sighs> mine are small up here. They're around. You get a lot of dairy crosses. Yeah, I get a lot of dairy crosses. They're about 650, yeah. 650-ish, I would consider average. 650 to 600. Yeah, I did that. The one, it was smaller. She had, uh, she was born with no back feet. I don't and, know who he's uh, talking about. Nathan Miller, geez, brother, you need to get some weight on you. <laughs> Eat a sandwich. What's uh, up, Nate? I'm sorry. Did you just say it was born with no back feet? Yeah, it had no feet. It was just like nubs. And uh, I was already going down to his farm to do a steer. So he's like, hey, you know, she's she's not gaining anymore. She's getting to the point where she can't walk. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll you know, for him, I, I did it. And uh, it was like 443 pound hang weight. It had nice marbling because he feeds him corn silage and haylage. And, right. you know, he's got good stock. He's just she couldn't get around anymore to make, you know, keep gaining. Like you have a leg to stand on. Would. But I did that thing today, and I'm like, this is so much nicer than that thousand pound one I just did. Man, like, oh, I'm there, I'm those, like, oh, those 400 pounders make you feel like a goddamn superhero. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. you're like, I can do this in four hours. Done. Here we go. Yeah. Let me just throw this across the room. Yeah, hey, that's how it was. Like, I started cutting at around 11, yeah. and I did that whole beef. Had it all vacuum sealed. The only I didn't do the grind today. I was trying to get enough of it to make my you know, time worth it. And then uh, I went over to the, I think it's like 890 pound beef. Well, like, this fucking sucks. I don't, yeah. I, you know, especially once we get the rest of our infrastructure in, it'll be a lot nicer. We'll have, you know, I'm going to have the two coolers that just everything flows. It's going to come out into the cutting room and I'll reposition my cutting room. So it comes right up. The rail comes up and I might end up doing a, a small hoist. Kind of like you have in your shop, right? But right the, to pick up the front quarters and stuff right off the rail, That'd set everything nice. on the saw. So, my lovely wife with her dirty mind. <laughs> I'm bringing it up now. That's fantastic. <laughs> Joe's wife says, "I don't have any complaints on Joe's size." <laughs> she knows it's not about the size; it's about how you use it. <laughs> Oh God. So do you find a lot of similarities between like what you did learn at culinary school and butchering? Like did anything cross over? <laughs> uh, very little. Yeah. I'd say like what I learned in culinary was more based on how to, how to cook the, the cuts of meat, not really break them down in a sense. Like at the restaurant, we get in a whole chunk of boneless chucking and that's all I'd have to do is slice big ass slabs of it seared off and then braise it for pot roast. Yeah. 
Whereas I didn't have to bone it out or anything really at, at the restaurant. Cause what I was thinking is like, it's tough to teach someone to work in like a line, like whether it's in the kitchen or you're working with a line of butchers where it's like, you're each doing your same job, but you're each working together at the same time kind of thing. It's tough to teach that. And it's like, you're already having that coming out of like the culinary mindset is like, that's invaluable because we've all worked with those people that it's like, they just don't, they just can't get the rhythm of the room. Yeah. Like where, where uh, Josh currently works and I was at where I trained. um, I liked how they had it. Like they don't do the line thing. You, everybody does everything. Right. So it's all fresh. Like we always rotated after uh, Josh came on full time. Um, his first six or eight months is all he did is trim carcasses and mm-hmm. wash and take weights and stuff. Um, but once he came on full time, then we're like, well, we're going to start training him for everything else. And uh, so it just, it worked like that. And, but everybody had that one thing they're really good at. So when you got in that, that flow in that spot where everybody was good in their one spot. It's like, and it was hard to keep doing the rotation because you get into a spot that you're not as comfortable in, or, you know, you're not as fast as one of the other guys, like, you know, the, the lead butcher there, he's been there since he was 19 and 27 years. Yeah. 27 years. And I'm, I'm glad that I, I learned from him. He's an awesome guy. He's really good at what he does. And, you know, like it, like I was telling you, he's, he's kind of like you, like you remind me a lot of him. And, uh, I, I really, get I still talk to him this, to this day. We, we text and, uh, talk, but the way he, he taught, it was, he was pretty easy going for teaching. Like, he's like, yeah, it doesn't look that good. Keep trying. This is how I would do it. You know, uh, he wasn't like, Oh, you screwed that up, you idiot. You know, there needs to be there needs to be one of us in every cut room. There yeah. absolutely if there's not, it's too nice, everyone's too happy, and work doesn't progress the way it needs to. Everyone needs to be a little pissed off or dying laughing at some point during the day. That was how it usually was was dying laughing. Mm-hmm. We, we had such a good time. Like me and you have talked a million times. Uh, you know, you get a good group of guys that can joke and have a good time around oh, the cutting table so much it's not like yeah when you're by yourself like i'm in that right now i'm completely by myself oh, all day welcome long. welcome to and the goddamn like, club my like i said my job literally gave me a wilson when i left so i talked <laughs> to someone in the office like in the shop like because they knew they knew they're like yeah. oh you're gonna be fucked like you don't yeah. have anyone to talk to it's just you on the upside, I, like, I get a lot of podcasts. Yeah, screw all you guys. I'm going to start a YouTube channel and talk to everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're doing uh, uh, TikTok lives and stuff now, too. So that's probably yeah. nicer. Those, those, get, those get nuts. They really do. <laughs> but it's like, again, I'll have, I think one of them I had almost 40,000 people in. That's crazy. Like, I gained one, that's I awesome. gained like 400,000 followers or 400 followers in like two hours. It's like, nice what the hell but it's you get the most like interaction like i like youtube youtube's been picking up since um we did the opus thing and i've we've been busting stuff through that i've seen a huge jump yeah Yeah. i haven't got much jump out of it i'm still figuring out the shorts i don't know what to freaking put in the tags but uh what hashtags and stuff yeah i I try to pay attention what other people are putting I'll 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 send you a list yeah, I, I've been doing them. It's just, I don't know what's going on with it. It sucks. It's like, I hate the fact that I know that. Like, I hate the fact I even had to, could say to you, I'll send you a list of hashtags to put on all your videos. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> I know what the kids are up to these days. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what it feels like. Yeah, that TikTok presence really got you. You're, I mean, some of the stuff you've been adding in your videos and everything, that it's, it's funny. I enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, I don't think like that. Like I'm not, as I'm doing something, I'm so focused on what I'm doing. I'm not like, Oh, I seen this clip. Yeah. You know, yesterday me, I can, me and my yeah. wife literally had this conversation last night where like we were talking about something and I was like, that would be so funny if that happened this way. Like if what, like just whatever scenario, 
I think it was like a piece of ash fell like on something. Mm-hmm. And it was, she was, she has a cross stitch that she's been working on for like a year and a half. And I was like, it'd be really funny if like you accidentally just dropped a piece of ash and the whole thing just went like a cartoon. <laughs> and she goes, is that how your mind works? Like you don't react to what's actually happening. You react to the imagination storyland that happened in your actual head. And I go, yes. Like <laughs> now you understand me. Like it's taken eight years of marriage, but now you get it that when I say what it's because I reacted to what you said, but in a completely alternate universe on how it would be funny. Like <laughs> your wife loves my TikToks. She does. I always, I, I'd be like, she'd be like, Hey, look at t- Kyle's TikTok. I'm like, yeah, you already sent me that one. So joke's yeah. on you. You get it first. You, you That's get, it. you literally get them as they go up most of the time. Well, I can't even get, um, unless you directly send it to me, right. like she's tried sharing them now and TikTok must have a new thing where if you're not you signed up for in. TikTok, yeah, you can't even watch them. Like I used to be able to watch them one time and then it would kick me out, but yeah. I can't even do that. The Fast and the Furious one is my new favorite. I don't know if I'll ever be able to top that, that one. For those who don't know and who have never seen uh, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, there's a, scene, there's a scene where he's like, let me see your car. And I clipped in a video of me drifting the tractor in slow motion because I have ag tire, bald-ass ag tires, and I was trying to move snow. So I just full-on just drifted this thing around the driveway. It looked cool in slow motion, but I was just literally going nowhere. And I added the Japanese music to the back of it. It was hysterical. <laughs> Should have been yeah, there, it was, folks. It was pretty funny. Uh, so, Josh, do you are you crazy like us and also raise livestock in any way? No, we have some chickens and ducks at, at the house. That's about it. But that that's my girlfriend's stuff. I actually absolutely hate farm animals. They drive me nuts. I just there's two types of people. Like there's two types of people in this. <laughs> but he is uh, really big into gardening and stuff. He's really right. good at it. So we're we the last couple of years we've been trying to like connect on if his right. garden does well we can do some trades because I'm not great at gardening. I I'm like gardening. It's just I never have the time to put into it right. with the livestock and now the business and. You know, kids and everything else. I just don't have the time. It always gets neglected. So I'm like, I'm not even going to waste my time. It's easier for me to just get some stuff from Josh and our a uh, couple of our friends do it. So I'd rather horse trade some stuff around and do you know help each other out that way than try to convert time into putting into a, a garden that I know I'm going to leave and it's going to be grown up in the weeds and then I'm going to look at it at the end of summer and be like, that was a waste of fucking time. I always just say I can't garden because my hands were created for death. (laughs) (laughs) So how big are you talking? If you don't have life, you don't have death then. Exactly. (laughs) They said the animals hate him too. It's mutual. Uh, That's, that's very true. This, this one time I, I, I come home and Joe said that he, he got me a couple dogs. So we walk out back and they weren't dogs whatsoever. They were miniature pot belly pigs. So I was like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll take care of them and whatnot. And they, they used to follow me around like, like, like dogs, so I let them out every day. And one day, finally, the, one of them was getting into some chicken feed. So, that, so I told Joe, I was like, what do you want me to do? He's like, well, take it away from them. So I go down there, I took the feed away from them. Well, that, that pig turned into a straight-up asshole after that. He came after me, bit me in the back of the knee, and oh, after man. that, every time he seen me, he just wanted to kill me. Yeah, literally, I'd let him out to roam around the yard. And I was like, I text him, be like, "Hey, can you put the pigs back in?" You know, because he was working at the restaurant at the time, and he lived in a, uh, his tiny house on on the property he owns now. Um, we we co-owned it. He built a tiny house. We lived in the single wide, and I did the farm animals. He kind of did the gardening, and um, yeah. So I had these pigs. I text him, "Hey, can you put the pigs in?" He he'd start cussing me out. So. One day I was watching him out the back window and he's running, full blown running. And I had him in like a six by 10 dog kennel. That's what I kept him in initially with the hut. And he would run and he'd jump and grab the bar going across the door and he'd pull himself up and he'd run inside and he'd jump down and lock the gate behind him. Danae said that rooster the one time. That was fun. Oh, yeah, that, that thing. I was just minding my own business, walking around the yard with a beer in my hand, and this rooster decided to size me up and wanted to kick my ass. So I, I 
put, put my foot back, full blown, try to kick this thing. Well, I ended up kicking my leg out from, from myself. So I landed <laughs> on the ground. This rooster starts attacking me. So I crunch up my beard, whip, whip the beard at him, miss it then. He's still attacking me. And then Joe finally came down and I was me. laughing so hard. <laughs> I was, I was, I started laughing. I'm like, I really should video this, but I should really go down there before he helps himself. Well, I, yeah. He's down on the ground. He's like kicking and throwing his hands, and that rooster just keeps attacking him. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was part of that group of mean roosters I was telling you about. The neighbor's kid, they came up because they loved the animals. So they, right. they were, they cut, they were, they lived up in Buffalo, super nice people. And they, they just come over and they're, I didn't care because I knew they weren't messing with anything. Come over and pet the goats and see the rabbits and stuff. Well, the roosters started attacking the kids. And I went over, I seen they were out one night and I came home from work. So I went down to have a beer with them, sit by the fire. He goes, Hey, did, uh, did my lawyer get a hold of you? I'm like, for what? He goes, those damn roosters attacked my daughter and stole her flip-flops. I was like, all right, I'll take care of them in the morning. So bright and early, I caught all those roosters. They lived into a, lived in a tree. I didn't have yeah. a chicken coop at the time. And uh, so I caught them that night when I went over to the house. Next morning, they come over. I'm over there killing roosters. He's like, I didn't think you'd actually kill them. I said, well, what else did you want me to what do? What else are you going to do with them? Oh, we had one. Data. He's actually still, he's still in the taxidermy freezer i want to get him mounted i want to get him mounted like the mexican fighting rooster with like the wings out and the claws out <laughs> and he was an asshole but he was a great rooster like you've seen videos of my property now like we have yeah. a large open property that it's like you need a rooster on yeah but he my wife would my wife refused to do chores like she has a she had, the golf club's still there she had a golf club at the door to like beat the crap out of him yeah and there was one day i was out doing rabbits and I felt him hit my back leg. And he's pretty sure he drew blood. And I was like, I don't know whatever spidey sense it was, but I like heard his feet coming at me like again or something. And I had cowboy boots on and I just stuck my boot back, kicked back and just nailed this thing right in the face. And I turned to see it just in the air. I'm like, oh, just the connection. That was like, I don't feel bad about that at all i was like screw you <laughs> oh don't worry about it tyler we see that you're having issues with the power down there no i mean you said you had a generator you said you were going to be here <laughs> yeah. you're 32 no excuses. you're 33 minutes late i put a gif in there talking about your dedication to this and you made <laughs> me look like an asshole <laughs> i'm just kidding tyler it's good to have you here <laughs> Uh, so what's your, what's your next moves in butchering? Like, what's your main goal past everything? Like, what do you really want to learn? Like, do you have a bucket list animal? Cause like, I know we all do of like, I really want to cut this up one day. Mm. I, don't know, I think it would be neat to, to cut up like a, a moose or a, a bison, something that's just like obnoxiously large and just to see the, yeah. the size of it and the uniqueness of it. But other than that, the only thing that I that I really pursue in learning is learn is learning all the products that you could possibly make out of out of everything. Coming up with my own recipes, I would find that to be more interesting. Yeah. So with that culinary side, you probably have like, are you doing all the curing and all that stuff too? Oh yeah. Oh. Yep. I do all the all the different mixing cures. If they want to try something different, they come to me and get my uh, opinion on it and what route to go with it, and that's where I excel at. That's awesome. Yeah, Tyler. I am <laughs> Evergreen Farms. I am dedicated. Couldn't get the damn dog in the house when I was out checking the animals. Well, we're glad you're here. Um, yeah, no, I want to get into that so badly. Like, and I just don't have the willpower at this point in time. <laughs> like, <laughs> all like the dry cured stuff. We got some bacon that we need to start pulling out and get in the smokehouse. Come here in the next couple of weeks. So I'm dipping my toe in slowly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hoping our smokehouse comes in here pretty quick so I can start playing around with it. Yeah. I'm excited to have bacon again. We're running low in the freezer. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to buy, I think what I'm going to do is buy a case of bacons and maybe try to pick up a couple hams or something, maybe shoulders, something to play around with the, okay. the cure for the for smoking like hams, you know, larger chunks of meat. And then the, the bacons, I... I'm debating on how to do them. I really like doing the dry rub method. I just do like put them in a vacuum seal bag, flip them every day. But that's time consuming for one. 
you know, having each bacon individual flipping it every day. Yeah. Um, but you do get a really nice product. Yeah, that's that. the way I'm going. I'm transitioning to that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, we're in the USDA shop. We use the vacuum tumbler. Right. Quick and easy, um, which most large places, I'd assume, I'm not going to speak for every butcher shop because I haven't been in a lot of them, um, use a vacuum tumbler just because it's, it's, it's a time saver. When you're doing big batches of hams and bacons, you, you can't have someone dedicated every day to go in the cooler and have a whole pallet rack of just bacons you flip. But on a, on a small scale like I'm on for the two, four pigs I might do a week, right? It, it won't be that bad. I come in in the morning when I do my setup, flip them. That's what I'm hoping to do anyway. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how it works out when I start playing around with it. But got to get the smokehouse here first. It's kind of important. I'm getting a new firebox built for mine just because I, I had that small little wood stove and it just wasn't putting off enough. So I, I'm just wasn't having putting out enough smoke. That thing, how big is that? Look pretty big. I was checking it out in the one slaughter video you did. Uh, it's like, I think it's six by seven. Like it's a big, it's a big smokehouse. It's, it's going to fall through that trailer at some point. You should uh, take one of your pigs this year and just put the whole freaking thing in there and smoke it. Might as well. Cure it, cure it and smoke it. The next one that decides to go under the fence. <laughs> Becoming whole pig bacon. That next one that goes underneath the fence is going to be Nino, and you're going to be like, no, sorry, I can't do it. Yeah. I do need to get him. That's what sucks. I need to get a new pen built for him. I think I said it in one yeah. of my last videos I put out, and I'm just going to throw it together, and it's going to look like shit, and it's going to piss me off every time I look at it. Uh, mine, my pens that I threw together, the uh, breeder pigs tore the gate off and they're in fighting with the feeder pigs. Now I seen it like right before I came back down here tonight, I took hay up to bed the houses and I'm like, I don't have the mental capacity tonight to fight with these things, mm -hmm. trying to get them where they're supposed to be. So when I feed them tomorrow, they'll, they'll naturally separate themselves out. I'll fix the gate and yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. We were supposed to get our board today and then. Of course, it's New Hampshire in January, so all we've gotten yeah. is rain and snow. So that didn't happen today. But we did find a new boar, and he will be coming on Monday. But Tally is in, like, the peak of heat. Like, I did a video uh, yeah. short about it the other day. It's like I put her in standing heat in a matter of 30 seconds and just stood there. Um, but yeah, that I was sucks because now you got to wait three weeks for her to uh -huh. come back in. But at least you're she's, she's aggressive in her heat cycle, and you can track it. Right. So now you know in 21 days from that time, right? you can keep an eye on her and be like, okay, she's coming into heat. I seen him breed her, put it on the calendar, because uh, we're both horrible about well, horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking at my, I have it on my calendar. I just don't have the day that she's supposed to be. 120 days later. You didn't yeah. count. <laughs> I, I counted. I just never put it in the calendar. Well, that's good. That's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah. It's like, man, she's she's looking like she's starting to bag up. And I'm like, oh, crap. Now I got to get pens built. I have to do this. I need to get them down here. Now I got to figure out how to get them down here. And You rush around for three days, and then it doesn't yeah. happen for another two weeks. Yeah, she's hasn't progressed at all. <laughs> but at least they're in the barn, in a stall. They've got the heat. I've got a couple of heat lamps now. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. That's, that's the best case scenario. I probably looked like a psychopath the first farrowing in that Telegram group. <laughs> Because I was, I for like two days when I thought she was going to fare, I just sat yeah. outside until like midnight, just smoking cigarettes, yeah. just like, it's going to happen. I'm going to catch it. Because it was at the beginning of the channel too. And I was like, I'm going to catch this. <laughs> you think after having two kids already, you wouldn't be so worried about it. Yeah. I know. I was as, I was as excited for those piglets to be born as my kids at that point in time. <laughs> I don't think I would ever say that. <laughs> fine. My wife doesn't watch this. <laughs> no, but your kids might someday. Wait, your daughters will be like 16 years old and be like, really, dad? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. What money have you made me, kid? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Get out there and keep keep working. We'll talk about it in two more years. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler from Evergreen Farm says, I was waiting at least two weeks, rookie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what else we got? 
So, what do we got, boys? <laughs> 40, 40 minutes in, we minutes, hit a wall. It's the bullshit. It's the bullshit. So, Josh, what are some wildly embarrassing stories that Joe probably doesn't want on the internet? I don't know if I know anything that's going to be overly embarrassing. Oh, you are such a nerd, that. Joe. Yep. I was hoping that he was going to come on and it's going to be like, let's take Golden Boy down a peg. <laughs> I don't, I'm cool with sharing stupid stories of stuff that we did. The, the, the only good ones that I got is when he goes into a blind rampage and starts murdering all of his animals around the property. That's fun. That, hey. Listen, I can't fault him for that. Usually I'm in my us? tiny house. Not, I hear the, hear the gun go off more than three times. I know that something's getting murdered. <laughs> like, I, I need to go outside. I need to watch this. That one's out of yep. spite. <laughs> I think the last thing I did that too was uh, those American breeze chickens. Those freaking things would not stay in. I got them all caught. I'm like, all right, tomorrow's kill day. I came out. There wasn't a single one in the chicken coop. Somehow it, they found a hole and they all got out. I said, screw this, I'm done. 22 out there. And I was just laying. I did like, I think I shot 30 chickens that day. <laughs> I just I was just laying them out. Neighbors had to be, they were like, what the hell is going on? I I'd wait for one. And they knew they were hiding in the weeds and I was hunting them down. I think I had a little too much fun with that one, but at the same time, they needed to go. And I was limited on a you know amount of time that I had. Um, that was just because I had to get it done. That wasn't more the last ones that I really got irritated with i we had two geese that my friend austin dropped off and he loves doing it to me he'll go and he'll get stuff and he drops it off to me and he's like he just showed up one day he goes hey uh so and so had these geese at their place i thought they'd be look good in your pond and then they're just geese around and loose before i could even say i don't want geese and they were attacking our kids and stuff in the last straw i was doing the garden i didn't i had some seeds that i started and i was proud of these seeds like me and uh, McKinley spent a lot of time starting seeds and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm all happy and proud started all my stuff from seeds this year. We got them planted in the garden. Geese went through and ripped everything out and now I'm getting mad. So I planted the stuff that was, you know, salvageable, replanted it, went to the Amish to replace the rest of it. And I spent like a hundred dollars on plants, you know, to finish out the garden and stuff to replace it. What the geese, I know more than came inside, get a drink of water, and I look out, and they're pulling my onion sets up. They're just walking down through, plucking them out, not pluck, eating pluck, them or nothing. Pluck. Yeah. And so I chased them out, and I come back inside, and I told Danae, I said, those geese, one more time, they step foot in that garden, they're dead. Well, I come back in, sit down, I look out there. I grabbed the 22 mag rifle, leaned right out the front door, dropped one in the garden, went to the back door. The other one hit the pond, dropped that one in the pond. And at first, I was I was pretty mad. I'm like, I'm not butchering or nothing. They can just rot for all I care. I ended up I ended up butchering them. I couldn't right. let it go to waste. But I was so mad at those things. Yeah, that's a fun that's a fun point in time. No one likes to talk about because it makes you look like a psychopath. I've done it. I've yeah. done, listen, no, I'm not judging whatsoever. I'm just I'm just explaining to you what other people look at us like. When it's just, that's good. I'm fine with that. I always laugh because my neighbors are the shit. So I'll just I'll drop a cow or something or a pig or something, and uh, I'll see them later in the day. They're like, "How's work today?" Like well, it's just because it's I'm literally in my driveway just shooting cows and trailers, and they're that's how it is. drinking their morning coffee. Like they've yelled before, like in the middle of summer, they're out on the porch. Bang! I there was one day they played on a bluetooth speaker another one bites the dust from across the road <laughs> i was like that's amazing <laughs> you're over there just jamming out to it as you're sticking it you know <laughs> yeah well he he sets himself up, up to go all crazy on these animals because every time he goes somewhere to buy animals for some reason he can't say no to more animals that they're trying to give him he'll be going to trying to try to get a couple of goats and he, he decides to grab ducks and bring them with him too. Yeah, I, again, I think I, I told I, you that story. And then they shit all over someone's vehicle. Yeah, uh-huh. so I didn't have uh, a big enough vehicle. So I talked to Josh. He went with me. I said, let's take your Durango up. I'm going to get these. When we first bought that property, the trailer, I was like, I'm in it. I, I already had chickens in our apartment basement. I'm, I'm going for it. And he's the one that actually talked me into the um, – self-reliance and stuff like that. I've always been into farming. Right. I've always wanted to have a farm. 
Um, but he's, you know, he started living with us and stuff when we we're in our apartment and we just, you know, at night he'd come home or whatever. And we'd start talking about self-sufficiency and all the crazy things happening in the world. So he got me going, you know, gung home. As soon as we signed on that property, I went to trash, I bought some chicks, had them in the basement of our apartment. As soon as we moved in, I was, we, I talked him into going to get these goats and I took a dog kennel and mm-hmm. we got their Nigerian dwarfs. And they had a couple extra. So I was like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll take them. Well, they weren't all going to fit in the dog kennel. So I was like, let's just put the tarp down in the back. We'll th- set the goats in there. And she goes, we were telling her we had a pond. Let's put the tarp down in the back. Yeah. And uh, she's like, oh, you guys have a pond? Do you want some ducks? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. They're cheap enough. So we put those in the dog kennel and put them in the back seat. And it's like an hour and a half ride home. They oh. shit all over his door. And he's married now. His face is beat red. And I'm laughing. And, he's and of course, you're not even me. home yet. So it's not like you can no. handle no, the we situation. Like you just have to accept the fact there's going to be more shit. Yeah, the whole ride home, they're just shitting and shitting and shitting. And he's getting madder and madder. He's like, I'm never letting you use my vehicle again. And I'm just laughing. I think it's hilarious. And uh, he was getting mad. Finally, you know, we get him unloaded. I turn the ducks loose out at the pond and so we go get go to get the goats to make matters even worse. The goats pulled the tarp back and shit and pissed all over it. And it's it's not like a washbowl, it's all cloth or carpet oh, yeah. in the back. Oh man. He he flipped. He he and I'm laughing and he's like, never ever again. I will let you use one of my vehicles. <laughs> uh, it, it was it's a, a good point of of bringing up the self-reliance living because that's really how I got into uh, the butchering aspect of it more too is I really hated animals before then, but I had gotten into the topic of researching food and food companies and whatnot while I was at the restaurant. And I just like uncovered this, this whole uh, spiel about uh, Monsanto <laughs> and, and just how the, uh, b- basically a chemical company, their number one product is Roundup and they're in huge control of our, our food system. Oh, yeah. And I was like, we basically, we have a chemical company in control of our food system. And that just sounds insane to me. And then if you just tr- track it down and all these just unhealthiness of Americans and, and we wonder why, because our, our food system was so fucked up. So that's what kind of driven us to more of that self-reliance and, and growing stuff for ourselves and raising stuff for ourselves. Yeah. No, that's it, just, it just works out for us because I enjoy the animals and stuff. He enjoys the gardening. Once we get everything in sync, like, I've got a boatload of manure for him this year. Now that I have it composted down being my second year on the property. So we got to haul that over sometime and get it on the gardens. And so that'll, it, it'll, it works out in both of our favors. He has something he enjoys and it works out for me because I, I enjoy the gardening. I just, I don't have the time and I'm not as good as it. He like, he knows his stuff when it comes to the gardening, he knows, you know, the planting times and the harvesting times and, they're more into the canning. I'd like to get into canning. It's just having the time. Like I don't have the time to do it. Right. Yeah, I would. I would have to argue that it's definitely harder to raise a garden than it is to raise an animal. You have to oh, go out there sure. and baby the shit out of a garden. Like every single day, you see the slightest of disease or something coming on, and it's a, a battle right through. But I'll argue it the other way, where I know I can walk away from that garden. It's going to be there tomorrow. You walk away from the animals for a week. They're not going to be there tomorrow. A bunch of dead animals, or they're going <laughs> to yeah. be loose tearing up stuff. So yeah, it's it is different. I always say it's my AD, like ADD, ADHD. Like I need to, I need to be raising something that is one running to me, or or from me, or could possibly kill me. Like I yeah. need just the full stimulation of all of it to make it worth my while. Like I've tried to garden so many times, and I buy the middle of summer the smallest inconvenience like the smallest inconvenience of oh i can't put the garden sprinkler on right now because i'm filling pig water and then the garden does get watered ever again like it's just completely out of the routine i don't care about it anymore like i don't know it's bad but yeah i and for me too what, the way I look at it is I know I've done the carnivore diet. I know I can sustain myself with the meat that I raise. Right. Me personally, not, you know, the kids are a little bit harder. You know, it'd be tough to get a kids on that diet unless you're really strict about it. Um, 
But me personally, like I know I can sustain myself on meat alone. I can, I, my body will not sustain itself on vegetables alone. I know yeah. I couldn't do it. I have to have the protein because otherwise I crash. Well, like it's funny. I, I just, I literally just had this conversation with my mom. Mom, if you listen to this, I love you. But like they've been buying, they've started buying pork from us. Yeah. And they're like, you've ruined, like you've ruined food for us because this is the greatest pork we've ever yes. had. And like, I was talking to her today and she's like, I know you're probably, you probably know everything I'm about to tell you, but like, I'm just realizing this and I just want to voice it to you. And like, she's apparently watching like this food show on Netflix or something and talking about like, did you know the conditions they raise some animals in? Like, did you know this? Like, do you know what they're actually putting in our food? I'm like, yes, mom. I live, I, I live in a town of 1200 people surrounded by pigs. Yes. I'm aware of all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, it is nice to see, like, I was, I had a proud moment. I'm like, oh, ma, she's like, well, if you can find me someone to buy like a half a cow off of and some chicken, like, let me know. I'm like, look at you, look at you. <laughs> that's, that's where my goal now with the butcher shop, you know, uh, you know, we had talked, I think last week I'm starting up a customer and a farmer list. Um, I had, I had one guy made comment to me that. Oh, you're just doing that to get the business. Yeah, it's going to generate more business yes, for course. me, of course. But I've got farmers on my list that they take their animals to a USDA processor, and I'm fine with that. I, I'm i looking at it more. I'm doing the legwork to build a good customer base for our future and other local farms' futures. And I'm so passionate about connecting people with local grown food sources. Like even when we were talking last week about – um, the guy that I got into a, a wasn't even an argument, you know, a debate on being vegan versus eating meat or not eating meat and how it's not healthy for you or whatever. Uh, like I told him, I said, that's fine. That's your choice. But source it local. Get it from a local farm. Don't go to Tops or Giant or Wagmans or whatever your local grocery store is if you can help it. Okay. Find a local source and get your food from there. No, like I was, I've been listening to a lot of Joe Salatin lately um, with all the podcasts that I've been listening to. And, you know, I I agree. Know your farmer, know where your food comes from and know how they grow things. Cause I'm not, not every farmer is going to be holistic, organic. You know, there's going to be farmers that are doing the market gardens and the big vegetable gardens and stuff that are selling in a small stand that still spray herbicides and pesticides. That's, the research on your part you need to do, but same thing with people with the meat. Like I have an array of people already that are looking for grain finished beef because mm-hmm. that's what they, that's what they're used to. That's what they enjoy. That's fine. That's their choice. And I have people looking for grass fed beef and grass fed lamb and just regular lamb and pastured chicken is, you know, getting bigger. And I've had a couple people reach out about rabbit. And that's the thing I'm, I'm looking forward to is I want to educate people on it and, I want to build that customer base in, in our area. And once I get it figured out and get a a, a basic outline, mm-hmm. I would be more than happy to help other processors, small processors that see, see a need with their customer bases on helping them start one themselves too, because we need to make the local food movement nationwide but global too well the Um, the other thing is it's like the guy being like because i get this all the time too with some of the youtube stuff and everything like that it's like oh you're just trying to get the business and it's like yeah "Yeah, why is that a bad thing like yeah you since when when is hustling a bad thing like and again hustle not in a bad sense but it's like no i'm putting in extra work to try to connect people Mm -hmm. to have healthier homegrown food by people in our area that we know and care about. Yeah. Why is that bad? That at the end of it, they go, Hey, thanks for setting all this up. Let me schedule a date with you because that just makes life easier. Yeah. Like, yeah, that makes complete sense. That's actually, I don't know, marketing. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's my, my number one goal. Yes. Do I get more business that way? I hope so. I haven't yet. But, you know, it's going to transition into, you know, I've got a farmer right down the road. He's like, I got a heifer that's ready to go, but I don't have anyone to buy it. 
So I'm working on connecting enough people to buy the whole cow off of him in quarters or halves, whatever they want. He does quality. It's grass fed with, he's, he does a little bit of silage, but he doesn't do any other grain than that. But I, that's the two that I'm butchering right now. And mm. they're marbled really nice. Uh, I sent you pictures of the one that oh, my yeah. other neighbor, that grain finished their steer at a ridiculous amount. And that thing turned out awesome. Yeah. A little bit more fat than I personally like. Like I enjoy grass fed. I, I like grain finish. Don't get me wrong. But now that I learned how to cook a grass fed steak. Right. It's different. It, it is different. And now the more research I do on it, I see the benefits from having uh, the grass fed meat versus grain fed and, you know, omega threes and everything else you're getting. But that's what I'm trying to figure out is how do I keep my herd grass fed, but finish in our colder climate. It does take longer. Like I'm coming to the realization I have to wait till that second, you know, right. spring, you know, cause I've always in the mindset of butchering for grain finished, they're finished in 16, 18 months, 20 months if they're, you know, so-so. And that's what that's where I've been with my last couple of steers is 18 months, but I'm not happy with the finish on them. Like, they tasted good. They just don't have the fat that I want on them. Yeah. Um, so now I'm starting to do a lot more research. And I think this year, the steer that I have, I was going to process them this winter, but I think I'm going to hold them until spring and finish them on that spring flush of really nice grass and see how he does. Yeah, uh, it's all you know. Play with what works for you, type game. And we we've talked about it a million times in our colder climates. It's tough to finish yeah. larger animals, even pigs in the winter. Oh, you're yeah. raising pigs right now. I'm sure you're going through more feed than you did with your Hereford pigs. Sure did. <laughs> and you know that you you raise over the summer. So, yeah. Josh, do you have this much anguish with your cucumbers? <laughs> no, not here. Not here. <laughs> I have to go after that damn cucumber beetle, though. That son of a bitch. He was getting oh, yeah. last year. Uh, well, boys, we're coming up on an hour. Josh, if you have anything to plug, feel free. I know uh, Joe said you don't do much with the social media stuff. So we do appreciate no, no, you. No, he's not on anything. I, I'm pretty antisocial for the most part. Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why everybody's like, because I'm the same way. And like, you guys tried to get me to get TikTok and stuff like that, and I'm still. Eh. We're gonna get. You know, I know, I know, I can gain a lot uh, with the YouTube channel and stuff from it. I'm just, I'm not over that hump yet uh, of being comfortable with it. I had, I still have yet to sign in there. Although I do enjoy all these TikTok videos that my wife shows me and other people have sent me. I, I think they're funny, and it's just, I know if I get on there. I'm going to be like two stuck. hours in it's and be like, time oh, stuck. oh shit, I, need, I I better get to work. Like I have stuff I got to do now, but we'll see. Yeah. I'm, I might get there someday. Your legs fall asleep while you're, ta you're taking a shit because you're just like, <laughs> when, my problem is I'm editing. Like that's the only time I have to do anything because I'm not like around my wife or kids. And it's like, I got to edit this video real quick. And all of a sudden my legs are asleep. I'm walking out like a pirate. Um, Oh, 6.3. I was trying to see what Rachel had put. It looked like 63 oh. pounds from a distance. I'm like, holy crap. Yes, Rachel one, has been prepping for this. Backpack. Yeah, Rachel's yeah. been prepping for this lard for a while. So we are we will all be waiting patiently in the Telegram group yeah. to see how that goes. And Yeah, let us know. I'm, I'm thinking about now that I have access to plenty of lard, I'm thinking about just doing it because I want to switch over from using, right. you know, Oh, I handed oh, out. Like start candy using more now. natural. I stuff handed out. I handed out like I'm handing stuff candy to trick or treaters. My buddy just came yeah. and picked up his pig, and I'm like, "Oh, here's a five pound bag of bear fat. Oh, by the way, here's another five pound bag of ground pork fat. Have fun." You did some uh, uh, beef or bear, yeah. um lard, right? And yeah, I'm doing some more going up. So that that was pretty neat. How how does that taste? Like, well, I haven't had a lot of bear. It's a bit so. strong. It's yeah. not for everyone. My wife hates it when I cook with it. Now, was that a boar hog or a, a, a sow? I pull it off of everything. Yeah. Like, I just pull it all in and then just render it at the end of the season. Because no one takes it. Like, yeah. and I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I I can't throw this away. Like, there's yeah. just something about it. It's like, this is a, 
200 pound sow with a three inch fat cap. I'm not throwing this away. This is fucking gold. Well, that's where I'm at with some of the, like the, the pig lard. Yeah. I, I was tossing some of it and I make sure I ask everybody, do you want your leaf lard? And if they don't, I might, I'm going to start asking them, do you care if I keep it and render it down for my own use? That is the so biggest gonna, thing is to out front go, I, do you mind if I keep yeah. this and yeah, I use it for my own personal use? Yeah. You, you definitely don't want to just take people's stuff. Cause that's when you get into the issue. That's where it gets dicey. Uh, and that, yeah, oh, they're taking my stuff. I yeah. hate that. I absolutely hate that. It's the biggest pet peeve when people come to me and say, so-and-so's stealing our meat. I but, hate it because it's, it's on, I, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I don't know. I've, I've only worked in one other butcher shop and own on my own. I'm not that type of person. I'm never going to steal someone's meat. Hey, Joe, but Joe, it happens. <laughs> I, I'm worked, sure it does. I've worked the I place, just, but it sucks. I haven't ex- explained, I, I haven't experienced that myself. And it, I hate when people say that because as a farmer, do your homework. If you think this shop is stealing your meat, and I understand some people don't, you know, they're trying to sell individual cuts and they're limited on USDA facilities. I get it. Send, try to try to get two or three other places, you know, or even three shops. This is what I've been telling people. Raise three similar animals. No, nothing's going to be dead set. Right. And have them cut in similar ways, depending on what happens in the shop, you know, how that shop cuts it. Most shops should have the basics, T-bone, porterhouse, you know, your pork chops or whatever have them cut the same thickness and see what those animals are yielding in that weight range. Mm-hmm. And okay, this guy's three packs of steaks are too consistently short, shorter than these other two places. Then, you know, don't okay, go that guy. Got, yeah, don't go back. And, and, and it sucks, especially if it is a, a USDA kill. Cause we, I think we have three that are semi-local and they're not close by to our area. Like, the closest one's an hour and 20 minutes or hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. So what do you do? Go to do, go an hour and a half the other way now uh, in hopes that they don't do it to you too. So. And it's also, you just deal with the people that don't know how anatomy works. They look yeah. at the cut sheet and they're like, I don't understand. My grass fed Jersey was hanging at 425 pounds. I Why didn't get 4, I have 425 pounds of meat to pick yeah. up? Yeah, <laughs> that's all in, one, because you, know, you raised a grass fed jersey, and yeah. two, it was 12 months old. And it, there's never me, like, I know, never Rachel, ending Rachel list brings of, this up again. Kyle is sitting in the just perfect for his longhorns on his head. <laughs> I want to let everyone know it was 10 minutes, 10 minutes of sitting. Positioning, sitting, positioning <laughs> to make this right. This is on purpose. I didn't just, I, this wasn't just a perfect accident. This was 10 minutes of my time. I'll never get back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, it, it, it's always know, educational. It is. It, it, you, you never can stop educating because no matter how much you pound it in people's head, you're, and, and it's, it's even worse when you get the same people doing it over and over and over again. It's like, you just want to bang your head against the wall, but what do you do? Lose the customer because you get irritated with it or just repeat yourself yes. over and over again? Yes. You lose the customer. That's what you do. You hire <laughs> you know, the I can't even deal with you right now. Yeah. No, you have to do that sometimes. There are moments where it sucks. Where Hell, it's like you you're chef, consistently I, I, I bringing I put a in. notation on their bill saying that I probably tested their meat at some point. So if you're missing a steak, I, lunch was on you that day. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I just, that guy, the farmer down the road, actually, he asked me for that smaller cow. He said, can you take a steak off of her and try it before you cut it up and make sure she's edible? Um, and I, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll have steak for lunch one day. Um, but he can't, he asked me to do that for him right, that's to different. make sure it was edible. So, yeah, I'm never keeping anything that's not like it's fat or it's bones or it's yeah something a lot like basically that that's the only thing I'll keep off an animal. That's not mine. Cause it's like, this is just going in this going to compost anyway. So. Uh, all right, Joe, we're up over an hour here. Where can everyone find you? Same as usual. Blake Slee acres on YouTube, Blake Slee acres on Facebook and here weekly now on meet the critters. Yeah. yeah. And I want to let everyone know 
once we start getting some more subscribers and things like that, like, and we start getting paid for this, like we can buy Joe a step stool so we can be similar heights <laughs> and that I'm not getting, step stool. I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, shoes that lift me up to the yes. proper height. Yes. Perfect. I don't want to carry a step stool around. It's just as easy to put the boots on my feet or just stilts. Like we'll just get you stilts. That sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. I cannot afford to break a bone. I know, but it'd be so funny. <laughs> it would be funny. <laughs> it'd be Maybe so some funny. Short, I only need like six, eight inch stilts. That might not be too bad. You only need six or eight inches. Might get it. Um. So anyway, <laughs> daily struggles here. <laughs> All right. So, um, you can find me everywhere at, at Backwoods Butcher Six Hundred Three. So that is YouTube, Instagram, um, TikTok. You can also follow the sh my shop page on Facebook. Um, all the links to these are down in the description. On Facebook, it is The Body Shop, Custom Butchery, and Euro Taxidermy, because I cannot figure out how to change the name on Facebook. So that's still what it is. Still get calls for it. Sucks. Um, also, if you have any questions for me or Joe and you have Telegram, you can go over and join the Critter Crew. That is our Telegram group we have in there. I think we have like 25 people in there. Yep. And... Basically, we just talk about meat and livestock um, and that we've got a good group of people in there that if you have a question about it, you can drop it in there. And the majority of the time you will get an answer or a direction to an answer. So, yep. again, all of those links for both me and Joe are in the description. So please like subscribe to our channels and this video. And Josh, thank you so much for being on. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks, and man. We will see all of you guys next time.